Hi, I'm Richard Lang and today I'm talking with my friend Suva Cho. Hello Richard and uh, hello everybody watching this. Yes. So, uh, I'd just like to talk uh, a little bit about how you came across seeing headlessness and what it's, how it's, uh, what it's meant to you in your life and, and so on. So, where, where did it start for you in terms of the headlessness and what led up to it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's thanks. Um, how to answer the question? Well, I think there is a level first, it's important to say that um, I can't really say how, what led up to headlessness or how I started seeing. Um, there might have been moments early in my life when, uh, when this was ever more present. Mm. There is not a sense of it started at a certain time. Mm. However, if you speak in terms of what we will consider headlessness in, in the, in, um, as a, taught by Douglas Harding, it was slightly remarkable. Um, I was living in a very, very remote monastery um, on an island eh, on the Thai, Thai border with Laos, mm. a place with no electricity. And at a certain point, somebody, and I never knew who, cleared out his library and decided to donate his books. So there was a mixture of Thai and English books to, to this remote monastery where we, we were just two, three, literally two, three English speaking monks. And among the many strange books there was, you know, um, um, uh, uh, even pieces from uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or old collections of the Bible and books on insight meditation, there was a book called On Having No Head. Hmm. which I picked up, it, it, it caught me. And um, upon reading it, I was, uh, I was sold. It was wonderful. It was a breath of uh, fresh air amid a period. Uh, this, was, this, was my absolute er this was my earliest time as a monk. Um, so roughly what year are we talking So about? we are talking here in 91. Uh, so, in, in a time when, uh, when uh, there was very much still the sense of having to get established in meditation and in disciplines, and somehow at the same time, in came out of nowhere this sense of it's all right here. And somehow that has always stayed with me, uh, although perhaps not always consciously, but even by reading the book, I saw. Something, something I remember was like, oh, my goodness, it is so true. Mm. And then, uh, wonder of wonder, uh, a couple of years later, I think it was in 94, perhaps 95, uh, while I lived in the UK, I went for one of our, we, we have this, in, in this tradition, the sense of going on, on uh, walkabouts, where we just kind of go in trust. So we, we take a bowl, and we just leave the, the safety of the monastery and uh, see what happens if we leave it. And in one of these walks, uh, I, I had an address uh, of, of somebody, I was supposed to be with another monk in, in around Ipswich. Mm. And the only address we had was of a certain Douglas Harding, who immediately answered back, but of course, come, and I am having a gathering. Mm. And so uh, this is a... Um, 
94 or something like that. 94, 95, yes. as far as I remember. Right. First time I met you, Richard. Right. And um, what was very important was, um, beside the experiments, which, which was absolutely phenomenal for me to try out, because of the... I, I dare say around the monastic convention there is that slight sense that remains of I am this endarkened person who has to do these practices, meditation or otherwise, I'm on my way to enlightenment, mm. I am a seeker. Mm. And, uh, and also of course every day you're reminded that you ain't perhaps in a subtle way uh, it's only in my case, the forms reinforce that. The forms meaning uh, the daily meditations where you always find, oh, my mind is still scrambled, or mm. how come I ain't experiencing the great bliss? Mm. And uh, somehow, just as this freshness of actually having immediate experiments, the pointing finger or uh, the card, it, it, it allowed an openness that I hadn't allowed myself. And now, and the important point was, of course, it was not as if I discovered something new. It was as if, yes, I recognize this freedom. Familiar. It's familiar. It's so, so it really is an act of familiarization. Mm. But what was very, very important was Douglas, at that moment, will point out to me, and here there is no hierarchy of seers. You can't say that Douglas sees better because he has done this longer. Mm. He had a way of where, where I felt really empowered and this is it. Mm. And I think this is the key point that, that I find with uh, meeting Douglas and the practice of headlessness, a unique contribution mm. that in a non-verbal way, in direct experiences, direct experiments, it actually hammers home the obviousness, mm. you know, that we always already are awakened as we are. Mm. There is absolutely nothing that we need, quote-unquote, doing. Mm. So emptiness is always on tap. Mm. Mm. So it sounds as though it uh, fits in very well with your monastic life. Indeed it does. I think that uh, uh, coming back to the monastery, it was it, I, I had a sense of, well, this is actually the point from which I can begin to live a monastic life. Because in a way then, in a conventional reality, the life of, of a monk is actually set up in a way that if you, you know, it, it, it's not as if, you know, you have to uh, get getting caught up in in, um, in what about my mortgage or what about my retirement? You know, we we all have ways in which we postpone awakening because something in us is not yet trusting. There's something to, that says yes. As soon as I have done this or that, mm -hmm. then I can be awakened. Mm -hmm. And of course, even in a monastery, that patterning continues. Mm -hmm. But it was if, as if, ho however, the, the, the monastic setting 
is not to be taken so seriously. Every, in, some, in some way, you know, it's a conventional reality being a monk. But there is a level, it, it, it's held a bit tongue-in-cheek. Mm. So I found that was also a great support in actually the lifestyle in itself uh, allows plenty of opportunities to actually lean back and, and see. Mm. And, and uh, there, was a, there was a little group of monks, I think we were four of us who had met Douglas. Mm. So we met up irregularly mm. and did experiments together. Mm. And how do you think it affects your relationships with people, with friends, with whoever, the face to no face seeing? Because mm. relationships are, are the uh, important area uh, to think about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think also the question the question you ask is 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 even deeper. In in a way, you know, not only your relationship with with uh, with people. Dare I say, with that which we con that which we think as the other. Mm. So so. Um, uh, whether it is my relationship even with a thought or a feeling or uh, with, with other people. Uh, is it a relationship in which I set up a somebody, you know, often Douglas used to call it head to head to head. Mm. Or is it, you know, space for, for that face that appears over there? Or can I actually be the space that allows any formation to arise and cease? And, I, and I'm humble. This is a continuous act where I'm learning. It's an act of trust, really. If I fully allow the other to be, and, and, and of course we have to sit, sit through you know, uh, our, our, our own inner... Uh, we have an agenda always, mm. a subtle agenda with the world. Mm. And is it possible actually to lean back and let, yeah, let this be? Mm. So that changes profoundly my relationship with the other. I become the openness for the other. Mm. And with people, uh, particularly, you know, that it, it, it's in the start perhaps it, it can sound a bit like a technique way you know yeah, maybe I, I put up with others if I don't like them by being spaciousness but more it actually become I find over the years like it's more like a heartfelt sense of being with others mm -hmm. and, to, and, and it is really so that, that to hear in the silence to hear two voices two people arising mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and being the space for both of them and also the feelings that arise between the two people in the sense of... So I recognize myself and find myself mm. in the other or as the other. Mm. Do, do you find something similar? Yes, two voices now in the one silence. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Yeah, isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it marvelous? Yes, alive. Yes. Unpredictable. Yes. And, 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 and a sense of... Kind of, I don't have, like a bit like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, just the world. Yeah. What about trusting it? Uh, 
what are your thoughts about, uh, we sometimes talk about trust and who we are and, yeah. and so on, what, what are your thoughts about trust? Yeah, that's, a big, that's another big subject uh, which um, mm, there is a level where uh, the, perhaps the first thing that comes to that comes to that comes to heart is, uh, oh my goodness, I have so so little trust. In a way, the essence of uh, the essence of Suvacho is built around um, fear or contraction or defense. So. Uh, uh, and you know, and and uh, the very act of seeing, or in this case, when you when when I actually really see the fear, that uh, it, it it begins to dissolve it, it erodes it away. So seeing is the is it's certainly in my experience here. It's the erosion, and this is a gradual work, and is not is not something I can apply technically, saying you know. Oh, I really feel afraid now. Oh, let me just go back to seeing. It doesn't seem to work like that at all. It seemed to to really fully feel, fully noticing uh, the anxiety or the fear. Uh, and to try, if I really am and fully stay with this quote-unquote thing mm. as it arises, this other that I call fear. Mm. And somehow that begins to transform it, having a relationship with it. And in a way, there I begin to say trust. So trust, trust not in enlightenment or in God, or, um, but trust in the immediacy that, that it is well. Even that which is difficult is a, is a, is a something to be embraced. So, so in, a, in, a, in a way, you know, of course, with seeing in itself, it is so immediate. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then, of course, it is also a level where I find it is multi-layered. Yeah. It's an endless discoveries, perhaps. In what way multi-layered? Multi-layered, that seeing is also hearing. Mm. It's also... It's also um, uh, uh, Deeply sensing mm. and deeply feeling. Mm. Uh, we, we arise with all the sense doors from mm. moment to moment. It's where you're coming from. It is. Yeah. Whatever we call it. Yeah. Mm. Another way. Uh, I don't know how how how. Uh, uh, I don't know how relevant it is in the context of seeing, but over the years, uh, uh, and uh, the, the other really great, should we say, support in, sta in stabilizing. Um, so, so, so one thing is, as you know, seeing it. Another is being it. Uh, that it just becomes a more relaxed and continuous sense of sense of being. Um, there I have found uh, the, the sense of listening and listening to uh, uh, what, 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 I, what, I, what is called 
the sound of silence. So it is as if, in the very act of relaxing, I know, into the wider field of listening, this high pitch resonates. And that gives also an, an really another very, very clear background in which uh, I can hear the sound of this voice, mm. I can see you, and how it all arises and sees uh, upon this continuous um, shimmering sound mm. as a background. Yeah. That is not quite, again, I, 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 it's a bit like seeing, it's not quite localizable. Mm. Is it inside? Is it outside? Is it both? Mm. Is it, it, is, it, it is global. Mm. And in a way, yeah. You're training in uh, craniosacral mm. therapy. Mm. How does this awareness inform your experience in that field? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, uh, even more so. It is, uh, uh, again, it, so what this work of seeing is, as again I find, is it, it is endless discoveries. And the discovery that even through uh, uh, touch, by putting your hand on another person and listening and being completely open and silent, it allows something to happen in both the seer or the giver and the receiver. And, and, I, and I find that that is marvelous, that sense of you, you empty, and the more you step back and empty yourself, the more you give the space for the, the, the other to come forward. For something to unfold. Yeah. And I think, I think this, is, this, is, this, is re this is really the essence, actually, of it. That, that, that sense of if we, perhaps a word there again is trust. When we step back, and we allow the world to arise and seize. So often, if in, in, in Buddhist jargon, there is the sense of, every, you know, uh, it sums up, everything that arises ceases. And, and then there is a great emphasis for many people of wanting so badly to make everything go to cessation. So we become detached, we become the subtle one who is observing this, this dream, you know, this slightly constructed self of a somebody who is beyond it. But actually, if we fully allow something to arise, can, that, is, that is what I'm really excited about these days. That act of trust, that sense of curiosity, uh, this is a complete new something. That, that, and so it's almost like it, 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 it takes me a bit, I don't have any safety, it grabs me a bit uh, in an uncertain territory. And then, if I fully let this come in, and then, and, and, and this, and, 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 and I don't know what will happen, will it ever end, what will happen to me, oh dear, I better go back to seeing, or whatever you know, ways we have. Mm -hmm. But no, can I trust in, if I let it, if I welcome it, 
as it comes and then the question is can I then uh, with, can I then again see it as it goes yet another condition so in a way you know it allows that flow of life mm, so creative it is it's another wonderful expression you know it is endlessly creative yes. and uh, and you and I are again we are we are we are we are creations in it yes wonderful it is isn't it and uh, perhaps one more question here Suvacho mm. Uh, what about suffering? Seeing and suffering, if you like. Well, yes. Buddhism is hot on the end of suffering, I think. Yes, I think uh, it is. It again is 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 the on the how shall I put it in in a few words in the perhaps in the in the Buddhist corner on the spiritual market that particularly. The, the doctrinal take uh, a way in, in which the word the, the, the classical word dukkha which means uh, stressful as if you know everything that arises and ceases by its nature it is changeable and it is stressful and it's not a, a, a value judgment it's just is that is how this universe is and so recognizing it, that it is like this, <clears throat> that the, 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 there is a sense of oh, we don't expect it to be otherwise. I think that's the key, that we, the suffering comes because we expect conditions to be otherwise. Yeah. Mm. So, so there is that level of daring to say yes to life. Including all. Hopefully. And then I say, you know, oh, when you say that, oh, touch wood. <laughs> because we all experience these, these moments, you know, when, when uh, it is, uh, uh, it is uh, overwhelming. I think my, my experience has been, Richard, that actually the bare experience of being a... a a human being in a separate form and experiencing the world through the senses even under best conditions it is a rather overwhelming experience and, uh, and to acknowledge also that often we are overwhelmed so when people act out of patterns of fear and violence and self-contraction to hold both ourselves and others with that sense of it is. It really comes. It comes from a place of overwhelm. And how does what we might call the seeing, or whatever you want to call it, how does that help you cope with that kind of situation? It doesn't. I will prove it slightly different. That it has never been my experience that quote unquote seeing helps me. Is it again? That's making a thing out of seeing. What I notice is, uh, 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 seeing doesn't solve anything, but it dissolves the one, even just for a moment, like now. It dissolves the one who, quote-unquote, thinks or feels that he has a problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And of course, uh, as, as, as it is, it can be sometimes, you know, the overwhelm the, is so strong that I'm, a second later the somebody is back again. <gasps> and then again, the very act of seeing, mm. let go. So here it is again. So, so the seeing doesn't solve anything. Mm. I would say I, I prefer, my experience has been it dissolves mm. um, the one who thinks that this is a problem. Mm. And, and uh, emotional distress takes sometimes a little bit longer. It, it certainly can dissolve immediately uh, the thinking, you know, that if, if you find a, the mind is spinning around, mm, it's gone. And, uh, uh, and, and yet, of course, on a, on a kind of felt level, there can still be a, a reaction that, that sticks. And that also, so that's again, you know, so then we bring attention to that. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. And that can be a little bit more gradual. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. Share the two voices in the one side. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm. Thank you, Richard. Mm. Mm.